0: Welcome to another edition of Mr. Stillman's Opus. Walter Storholt here alongside John Stillman. John, hope you're doing well, sir. Good to see you. Doing great. Good to see you. Yep. Looking forward to our conversation today. We're talking about Opportunities for improvement. Um, it's kind of funny. In addition to helping people here in the Triangle, John, we also talk with financial advisors all across the country who, you know, have radio shows, and so we get all sorts of really unique stories and opinions from so many different sources. It's it's kind of one of the unique things that we get to be a part of. And a lot of times we get feedback that, you know, after advisors give a second opinion to somebody on their financial plan, a lot of the times what we're finding is that it's not necessarily somebody needs a complete overhaul. Of their plan, and a lot of the times it's just little tweaking that needs to be done, little little areas for improvement that need to be addressed.
1: Well, and for a lot of people, the idea of having a complex financial plan is a little bit overwhelming, and that's a tough step for some people to make. Mm-hmm. And so, what we're talking about here today is just some of the the low hanging fruit, if you will, some of the things that are easier to do and not quite as overwhelming as the big step of okay, let's look at the big picture. Just some little almost transactional things that you can check off and say, all right, well, I did that and I improved my situation.
0: It's kind of like uh, trying to lose weight. If you think about it of dieting and then you also got to add exercise and then you've got to add discipline in these other areas of your life, it all gets overwhelming. But if you're trying to just improve things one by one, it becomes a lot more manageable. What's the old saying? You eat an elephant one bite at a time or something like that? Yeah.
1: And I always wondered why anybody wanted to eat an elephant in the first place, but... I don't. Is that a delicacy anywhere? Maybe I, so. I don't, I don't know. know. It Seems know. like it'd be pretty gamey, pretty tough meat. It would be. I don't know.
0: Depends on what part of the body you get it from. Probably. Yeah. Another conversation for another day. Um, so let's talk about some of those common areas for improvement that are relatively easy to address. Uh, one has to be, and I'm sure this is maybe pretty popular, especially right now. Way too much money in cash for folks. That's identified a lot of the times as one of the top areas of improvement for folks.
1: Yeah. Very often we see people with a lot of money in the bank, and they're intending, and they have intended for a long time to do something different with it. They just haven't done it yet. And if you put it off too long, suddenly that cash starts piling up. Mm -hmm. So for some people, they just, you know, as a matter of their monthly cash flow, they're putting two or three thousand dollars a month over into the savings account at the bank. Well, you do that for a few years, and next thing you know, you've got $100,000 sitting in cash. I have a lot of clients with rental property, and you know they have a lot of mm-hmm. rental income coming in, and certainly they need a bigger emergency fund than the average right. person because of all these properties, but uh, very often they've got five or 6000 a month going into the bank account, and they're piling up cash. Uh, you know, maybe to buy a new property at some point. But if they don't buy that new property, suddenly they have a lot of cash on hand. Sometimes you get an inheritance and you just kind of park the money there in cash. Or it could be any sort of windfall that you get. Maybe you sell a piece of property or something and you, you stick the money in cash intending to do something with it, but you never get around to doing it. And so what we find is that those are very easy opportunities for somebody to say, all right, look, I, I know this cash is sitting there collecting dust. Mm-hmm. I can do something more efficient with it. And so, you know, that's where there's some opportunities to be more efficient. Having a lot of money in cash isn't a bad thing. It's just very inefficient. Yeah, it's certainly better than having nothing in cash. Right. right. Uh, But certainly you don't want to overfund that bucket. Yes. That's a good way to put it.
0: Uh, Don't let that bucket runneth over, in other words. It's very King James Version edition. <laughs> yes. In other uh, in other ways where we see this kind of happen, where people sort of maybe just by not paying attention or just it gets kind of pushed under the radar, because uh, this is one of those things that you just sort of, you know, you, you purchase and then sort of forget about it and you never really look at it again. That's life insurance policies. And some of those old policies you have hanging around could be kind of in that same vein. It could be
1: working more efficiently for you. And it's counterintuitive because... Everything has gotten more expensive over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Eggs and milk and Cars, bread, homes. Cars, real estate. Yep. Maybe uh, electronics. Like big screen TVs have actually gotten cheaper. They
0: they still are expensive when they come out, but then as they're out for a couple of months, yeah, they do go down.
1: But if you compare a 64-inch TV, I don't know, is that a thing that you're, exists? You're probably right. If you compare right, yeah. that a decade mm-hmm. ago, it's actually cheaper now. Probably and, 65, and not 64. Whatever. Um, you get the point. So the other thing that's actually gotten cheaper over the years is life insurance. So for, life insurance and TV. <laughs> big, <laughs> big screen TV. For a couple of reasons. Life insurance companies are run a lot better, more efficiently than they used to be 20 years ago. And secondly, actuarial tables. So we used to call it life expectancy tables. Now they're more often referred to as longevity tables because people are living longer. And so what, what does that mean for life insurance? Well, the longer you live, the longer the life insurance company has to collect premiums from you before they have mm-hmm. to pay out a death benefit, right? So life insurance has actually gotten cheaper. Well, what does that mean for that old policy you have? Uh, very often we'll see people come in and they have a policy that they got in the 90s or even the 80s or maybe even just 15 years ago. Or it could be a policy that their parents got for them when they were kids. And they built up a cash value of, let's say, $50,000 within that account. Well, very often, let's say they've got fifty thousand dollars as a cash value and they're paying two thousand dollars a year is their premium. Okay. Well, very often we can take and let's say they've got a two hundred and seventy five thousand dollar death benefit.
0: Okay. So fifty thousand dollars built up cash value, mm-hmm. they're paying two thousand dollars a year into that account, death benefit of two seventy five. Right.
1: Very often we can take that fifty thousand dollars, move it to a new policy. Get rid of the $2,000 in premium altogether moving forward. So just just done it at the 50 you put in. Right. Okay. And then have that same death benefit still in place. Okay. That's completely possible. Well, that's pretty nice. Or it could be that you reduce the premium. Or maybe you say, look, I want to keep everything the same, keep paying what I'm paying, but move it to a new policy and suddenly now get more death benefit. Mm-hmm. That could go either way. Uh, so it's certainly worth an analysis on those things. If you have old cash value life insurance policies, very, very often there's an opportunity to have the same thing more cheaply or pay the same and have a better policy. The other thing is you can add the accelerated death benefit to those policies. Those didn't really exist a couple of decades ago, but now you can add the accelerated death benefit. If you move it to a new policy, you know, for instance, if you've got that $200,000 death benefit, that basically means you have $200,000 to go toward long-term care mm-hmm. if you need it. Obviously, it no longer is a death benefit if you spend it on that, but it allows you to get the death benefit earlier to pay for your care. But people might be thinking, well, this is a policy back from the
0: 90s. I'm 20, 25 years older than I was back then. How is that going to be viable? It seems like it would be miles more expensive, even if over time it has decreased because I'm so much
1: older. Well, if it was a permanent policy, your age has nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. because – when you got the policy, they were banking on you paying for your whole life and then paying you out whenever you die. It's not a term policy. Mm-hmm. It is a permanent policy. So they're still going to pay you out when you die. It's just now they're expecting you to live longer than they were expecting you to live in the 90s. sense. Yeah, very, very interesting.
0: It's just interesting to see all the flexibility. Yeah. We won't, we won't go further down the life insurance rabbit hole, but very interesting discussion about something that you would think would be so simple. Right. And there's lots of different directions. But again, it
1: that's in. low-hanging fruit. It's an easy thing that you can do to improve mm-hmm. your situation.
0: Excellent. These are the low-hanging fruits, I like that, of uh, financial and uh, retirement planning. Other way to put that, easy opportunities for improvement in your financial plan. Too much in cash. Old life insurance policies, two good examples. Speaking of old things, old 401ks left with a past
1: employer. Very common Uh, thing that people kind of encounter, I guess. See it all the time, and it's one of those things where it's just so easy to make that something you'll do later, and then a few years Mm -hmm. go by, and that old 401k is still sitting there. A couple of problems with that. One, you just have that limited menu of investment options. What that company says you can invest in, those 10 or 12 mutual funds, are your only choices. I've seen some situations where once you're no longer with the company, you don't even have access to the account you can't log in and make changes to it in some cases. Not in all cases, but in some cases, you can't even change your allocation. So, it's truly on autopilot, Mm -hmm. and you can't touch it. Um, In those situations, it makes so much more sense to roll that over to an IRA, where you can invest in whatever you want, and you can control the costs, instead of being at the mercy of that menu of choices and the administrative costs of those funds. So, Again, low-hanging fruit. Really easy to take that old account that you're not contributing to anymore. Nobody's managing it. It's just kind of dangling out there. A vestigial organ, to use a biology term. I didn't think
0: we were going to come across that today.
1: So very Very often you can take that money and... Be much more efficient with it. Vestigial, yeah. So, like, um, they have snake skeletons from supposedly millions of years ago, okay. where the the snakes had feet, but you know, supposedly, like the feet the feet evolved away. And so it's a vestigial organ.
0: A no know. longer needed
1: organ? Is that the like true that. definition of it? That's probably a bad example. but Because feet aren't really organs. Base, but, you're right. Yeah. That's basically how I remember it from biology. But it's still interesting. A vestigial yeah. body part doesn't have to be an organ. I if guess.
0: you're listening to the podcast, then you know the true definition of a vestigial organ. I guarantee you somebody does. Write into John and please educate him on the absolute proper way to put that. Uh, but that's good. That That can be the clue question this week. Call in and you get a free something. What can we give away? <laughs> right. You get a free snake <laughs> skin. <skeleton>. Snake skin. <laughs> My dad's a bug man. We can he has plenty of those lying around. <laughs> bet, we can we can get it for you. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, get another get a snake skin from dad. We'll hook you up. Well, those are some really good tips. Uh, very very easy opportunities to improve your financial plan. There are other ways as well, but those are three quick tips on some of the things that might be dangling in your financial plan that are easy to grab, that low-hanging fruit, and uh, improve it. Those three easy steps really will put you on the path to a much better financial plan if you have those opportunities to improve. John, thanks
1: as always for the help. I believe the human appendix would also be a vestigial organ. It was at one time theoretically used for something, but now it's just kind of there. But now we can take it out, right? It just
0: causes problems now. No, yeah. So don't let other vestigial organs that might cause you problems, like appendicitis in your body, You don't want appendicitis in your – we're really stretching here. Oh,
1: uh, male nipples, another example. (laughs) Vestigial
0: body part. Um, I'm reminded of the Meet the Parents uh, (laughs) clip where I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Maybe in the past, but not anymore. All right, those are your opportunities for improvement. We're going to get out of this before it gets dodgy. That's another episode of Mr. Stillman's Opus. Thanks, John, for the time. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time.